But I think what really scares me is, you know, not only is this a rare person on many church elder boards today, but because the church has gotten so far away from the one true mission Jesus gave us, make disciples in all of life, many elders are actually a barrier to those on staff or in leadership or just the general lady of the church. They're like a barrier or a hindrance to actually making disciples and prioritizing community as the way that Christianity and kingdom life is modeled and disciples are taught and matured. And I know so many pastors that are working hard to lead their families and their flocks to engage discipleship in all of life. And one of their biggest roadblocks are their own elders. Elders, supposedly, who don't even make disciples. In many cases, who have never led a person to faith in Christ themselves. And then they've spent years you know, in community and modeling it and all that. No, they, they've never done that. And yet they're the roadblock. It's killing me. <laughs> Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, welcome. Hey, you know, a couple weeks back, I teased y'all with something I've been working on, and I've been working pretty hard on it, something that I'm really excited about, and I hope you will be too. Maybe in the past, you've been a part of our Everyday Disciple Challenges, where we've come online live every day for four days, and I kind of lay out our basic framework for discipleship in everyday life, and I give you a bunch of tools, a little bit of homework just to kind of get you started and, and show you that you really can live this way and make discipleship part of your everyday life. Well, we wanted to take that a little bit further, and we created a version of all of that training called the Everyday Disciple Workshop. It's a simple and reproducible discipleship framework for really busy people. And what we did was we took all the best training from the challenges that people loved, and they kept asking us, hey, how can I keep a copy of this challenge and it was just a live thing you needed to be there to watch it with just a few days of replays but now you can and we have actually improved on all of it tweaked it upgraded it all and I just want to take a second and tell you about it because I'm going to give you immediate access to all of it okay but let me tell you about the training that you can get and then by the way you'd have lifetime access to it too so yeah we're continuing to try to up the ante here and give you more and more resources so let me tell you a little bit about the everyday disciple workshop and the different lessons that are in there so uh, you're going to start out with a lesson called the life we all wanted in, in it I'm going to tell you a little bit about our story and how we discovered how to make our faith in Jesus and disciple making kind of part of our rhythms of our everyday life and all that. Uh, lesson two is lose the religious pressure. Yeah, and it's going to help you do just that as you start to create a new framework of discipleship that really will forever change the way you do evangelism and make disciples of Jesus. Lesson three is about our gospel identity. It's called embrace your true identity. And this is foundational. Understanding our God-formed identity changes our motivations and it helps us change others' motivations and then send us out on mission. It's really key to making discipleship in everyday life and starting missional communities. Lesson four is remove the too busy roadblock. You know how it is. Everybody says, oh, they're just too busy for discipleship. They love it. This all sounds great. Well, we're going to give you six rhythms of life that will help you perfectly integrate discipleship into everyone's schedule 
without having to add a bunch of new stuff. And then lesson five is how to build deeper connections to God. And we'll understand how did Jesus do that? How did he balance his time and attention as he moved his disciples from curious onlookers to mature disciple makers? And how did he help deepen their connections between each other and with God? I've also thrown a bunch of bonus trainings in here for you as well. There's a video on helping to move renters to owners in ministry right? So people aren't just sort of phoning it in, but they start to act like, hey, we own this ministry too. We'll talk about the difference between your proactive and reactive mission in another lesson I'm going to give you as a bonus. And then I also included a video that I recorded on the Holy Spirit and missional living. And it's powerful. I think you're going to like it. So all of that's available to you right now for immediate access. And you can hang on to it forever. Uh, Unlike the challenges were, all you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. And you can get that thing right now. Okay. Today, you're going to hear a conversation between me and Heath about a bit of a sensitive and at times cloudy topic. And what I mean by that is not everyone is going to agree with what I have to say here as we talk about the biblical role of elders within the church. And more specifically, why I think it's fair to say that we get to expect our church elders to be lead disciple makers, opening up their lives and homes and marriages and showing everyone in the church what a lifestyle of discipleship and mission look like, and how to do that. Here, take a listen. This is a little bit of a different topic today because we're sort of learning some things about historical church polity and leadership, Mm -hmm. but we're also going to be addressing a common challenge that a lot of our listeners, and even you and I have gone through and folks writing in, are facing or have faced or or will face. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, because... Yeah, today, probably we're going to poke the bear a little, you know, that term, right? It's yeah. like, ooh, uh, yeah, or, or a lot even. Um, and we're going to be looking at elders and eldership in the church. Okay. And we're going to ask the question, are your elders discipleship friends or foes? Hmm. Okay. Now, maybe unintentionally they're foes, but the way they govern the church you're at and, you know, and the church maybe you're on staff leading may actually be making it harder to make disciples of Jesus they don't mean they don't mean to be right, but they it's might just be. Happening. And I hear it all the time. Now, some are actually downright. It seems like against it. They're just like anti-community and missional, you know, life and all that. But, yeah. but some of them are making it. Believe it or not, and I, it's not it's not rare, bro. No, I've been in churches where this has happened, and I, I elders sucks. are actually making it harder for staff in the church to make disciples of yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's like the exact opposite of the role. It's it's absolutely horrible when that happens. Yeah. So I'm curious, like. Let's start out talking a bit about what the role of elders was historically in the church. Okay. And and this, you know, obviously there's like three inch books written on this. So I'm going to have to hit certain aspects of it in light of what we talk about on life school. Right. But many Christians I know, and and, and I know I did certainly seem to think the term elder and the role of elders is, and has always been a function or office within the church. Like we dreamt it up. Okay. Like elders. Oh, that's a church thing. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But in fact, historically elders existed in culture throughout the ages forever, right? Before the church existed. So who are they? Well, they were the older elder brothers within the existing villages, cities, Hmm. right? The old men essentially that are trusted and they're gone to for advice and counsel. And we hear about this sometimes even in scripture, like, you know, the elders sitting by the gate, you know, because they were old, right? And, And they're not maybe out in the fields or out on the boats or whatever anymore, but they had given their life and their advice to now caring for their community. And every village and town 
town had them and still does today. And like, we don't see that here. Like, you know, there's like, there's not like a place where all the elders go and sit in, you know, Tacoma or Seattle or whatever, you know. Yeah. And they're there. If you need some help, you go talk to them, right? You need sure. some wisdom or you, you got, you know, an argument to be fixed or whatever. You go to them. But I've been so many places in the world where that's still very, very real. You, really? Yeah. You, I mean, you go into Africa and you go into Asian cultures sure. and, and you're out and especially in less developed countries, nations, sure. cities. And literally, like we would show up for whatever we're doing, if it was teaching or bringing food or medicine in or, you know, whatever we were doing. And they would generally take us straight to introduce us to the elders. Hmm. Sometimes called chiefs, okay, right? Yeah, that makes and sense. they were they were this this group of old bucks who like are they're the watchful eye, and sure. they've been they've been through more than anybody, right? Right. So anyway, uh, that's who elders were. Now, elders in the New Testament, they weren't these people that were run through a series of classes and then voted upon hmm. and put in charge of everyone else in the church. Never, okay, not once. You'll you'll just not find it. Sure, okay. Um, they were these elders that existed in these villages in Galatia and Antioch and Ephesus, right? And then they were recognized. And we'll talk more about that, okay? So when it came to the newly forming oikos, right, the churches throughout the book of Acts that are being planted and springing up, elders, oftentimes years after the community formed, are acknowledged then by the community. And sometimes we see it in writing by Paul or Timothy or other apostles, right? But they're there, but now we're hearing about, okay, which are the ones that you should trust because they look like this, right? Now, the original word in Greek usually translated like ordained, Okay. Like the you know the elders were ordained or whatever yeah. um, means acknowledged actually or recognized. So they acknowledged elders in every church, huh. right? And it's not an official ordination like ministers are ordained today. Sure. They recognized those men that were already elders, older brothers in the village, who were walking uprightly with God, trusting and following Jesus, and who had been given their wisdom and care to the younger believers within the church, right? You know, this sounds really different than even the last church I was in, because it sounds like the way you're describing it is they were older brothers, uh, they're trusted, they're, they're wise counsel, they're steeped in, in the knowledge of the faith. In the last church I was in, it was like, oh, crap, uh, we, we got to find an elder for discipleship. Uh, this guy might be able to do it. He's here occasionally. Yeah. You know, it was just filling positions, whereas yeah. it seems like it used no. to be a trusted role. No, if was... you were to go before the church or even during the church, say, who are your elders? They'd go, these guys. Yeah. You know, like if you were to die, you know, who would like look over your family and you wouldn't even have to wonder, oh, these, these, these These are the guys, these are the guys, these are the, these are the people right here, you know? And so, um, yeah. And I know in some traditions they're called elders, sometimes they're called presbyters, sometimes they're just called pastors. Um, yeah, anyway, right. So today I'm not looking to dive too deeply into a discussion of the character qualifications of elders within the church. You know, those that Paul lays out in first Timothy, we will look at that verse, but I'm not trying to get into like the character aspects so much. But if we look at what Paul wrote, even just briefly today, in light of the gospel, mm-hmm. okay, and in light of the one true mission of the church, yeah. I think a very different picture of what elders in the church were like, okay, emerges. Okay. And what their roles were, that's emerging as well, okay? Yep. So First Timothy 3 says this, here's a trustworthy saying. <laughs> I love that, right? Like, I'm going to start talking to you about that. It's like, Here's a trustworthy Here's thing. Here's a trustworthy saying. <laughs> Your guacamole is not as good as mine. <laughs> okay, so he goes, 1 Timothy 3. Here's 
Paul's talking, right? Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer, that's the word translated in this you know, translation to elder, desires a noble task. So it's a good thing, sure. okay? Now notice there's a desire there. Okay. <laughs> it's not like you're roped into something, talked into it or whatever. N- now the overseer, he says, is to be above reproach. It means a good guy, right? Okay. Not, not like this bad, you know, like list stuff. Faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, okay? So there's a bunch of character qualifications. I'm not going to dig that out today. Maybe that's a different episode. But notice it says hospitable, mm-hmm. okay? That means he must enjoy having guests in his home. One translation says it that way. That's good. And he must be able to teach. Hmm. Now, I, I've known elders that have nobody over ever. Sure. Or at least uh, I was at the church for a decade and never was invited over. Yep. Or once, but it was for like a fundraiser or yeah. some official meeting. Yeah, it wasn't a person who actually but, deeply but, loved it. Yeah, when you talk to anybody, it's like, do you are you guys hanging out with the elders? No. <laughs> you know, they never were up teaching. Like, well, yeah. are they able to, though? I'm pretty sure if they had to. It's like, no, no, no. It means they are applying the gospel. Yeah. They are. Like, when They're you a talk, voice in this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're a voice among the community that's like, I, I know you're upset with him. I, I, you know, listen, I, this is this, right? Let's look. What's the gospel say? Like, what is, sure. you know, what does Jesus <laughs> say and show us about that, right? Yeah. So then it goes on in verse three, not given to drunkenness. So you don't want to be a drunk. Uh, but notice that doesn't say doesn't drink, right? So anyway, but I'm not going to go. Uh, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Okay. All that stuff says to me they're others focused. Then here's a big one. Verse four, he must manage his own family well. In light of what? In light of the mission. Yeah. In light of the gospel. That's good. Right? Yep. Like some people parent like with shame. They parent with, you know, should to, yeah. to be, you know, like very reward based. Yeah, yeah. Abusive, transactional. No, an elder would manage their family well and, mm-hmm. and see that his children obey and must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. That's good. Meaning, you've ever known people who like you go like, um, if we were to die, I really would hope like they would raise our kids. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I hope they would raise our yeah. kids. We'll and then you ever known to. anybody that was like, you know, I love them, but they're not doing a super killer job with the kids. Yeah. You know, like just happening. aren't, right? Yeah. And I would not want, I, I don't even know if I want my kids hanging with them, but I wouldn't want them raising my kids. Yeah. Guess what? Some of those sometimes are leaders in the church and elders and stuff. Yep. You're right. Yikes, I right? Know them. Okay. So now he goes on. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? <laughs> There's some practical stuff. Yeah. Right. Again, like here, that's trustworthy. <laughs> yep. Okay. Verse six, he must not be a recent convert. So that speaks to some age plus also age of faith because you know how it is. You know, you think you're, you're all figured it out, right? And your yeah. faith like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And then you go like, oh, I don't even know if I, I think I was <laughs> heretic. still trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you don't become conceited and fall under the same judgment as others. All right. Now here, verse seven, huge in light of think about what's the mission. Yeah. Only mission Jesus gave us. Go and make disciples. Yep. Yeah. All right. Think, of, think about it. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. Wow. Now, Wait a minute. To have a reputation with outsiders, and then Paul is specifically representing those outside the faith right now. Yeah, you have to be around people enough to have a rep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have your you reputation. Know your community. Yeah. It's not like well, no one probably has anything on paper against you. Huh. You know, or at work, everybody says, "Yeah, he's fine." You know, she's fine. Work, sure. whatever. It's like no. A reputation with outsiders means people know you. You're a person of peace. You're yep. known for being that elder who always lends a hand. Yep. I don't even, I'm not even a part of these wacky people that follow Jesus over here. But that person, yep. yeah, I would, I would, I would ask him for advice on my marriage, my parenting. They, they would loan me a buck when I needed it. If I'm sick, they would, you know, help, whatever, right? Yep. So 
he must have a good reputation with outsiders. So elders, overseers, shepherd, all these terms are used interchangeably and they're from a similar root in the Greek, okay? Mm -hmm. So anyway. All right. So that's taken sort of our classic passage from 1 Timothy 3 and I think it immediately gives some insight to go, whoa, are our, are our elders like that? Yeah. Among us, they 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 you know invitation without any kind of title, they are just they are el- they're doing it. If yeah, you said exactly. who are your elders, it'd be like no, those, that guy, that guy, you know, sure, right? Now, later we also have Peter's letter to the church in Asia Minor, right? Okay, and uh, man, there's some mind blowing stuff on this from an author by the name of Frank Viola, and uh, he's written some books you've read, yeah, you dig. Oh, I love them. Pagan Christianity, holy cow, yeah, buckle up, right? Yeah, he's uh. He's a bit of a bull in a china shop of religion because he will, he holds Jesus sacred, but it's helpful. I don't know anybody who knows a word like better or more thorough when it comes to New Testament, ecclesiology, church, you know, man. He loves Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah. So he he had a book. I don't even know if it's available out there anymore, but it's called Straight Talk to Elders. But there is a PDF out there. So maybe we can put that in the show notes. Yeah. I just looked on eBay while you said that, and there's no, it's like 45 bucks for it. Yeah. For a paperback that's like not even that long. Yeah. Because really, that book, what it was, was he did a talk like down in South America, I think. And it was about eldership. Okay. And people asked him all kinds of questions and they went ahead and just printed it up for a while. And somehow I got a copy of it and it's out there, but it's hard to find now. Wow. But the PDF is out there. So maybe we can turn people on. Anyway, so so a lot of my thinking comes to this. So here's what's going on in First Peter, okay? Paul dies. Now the churches in Galatian, Asia Minor that Paul planted, they're suffering. They're being persecuted. It's tough. It's tough sledding, okay? okay. Now Peter the apostle, right? He's in Rome. And Peter knows that Paul's dead. And and now these churches need to be cared for by an outside worker. Peter knows that they're suffering. And so he writes them this letter to encourage them in their suffering. Okay. Okay. So it's Galatia, Bithynia, Asia Minor, etc. They're Paul's territory. This is primarily a Gentile world that he's writing this to. Okay. And these churches are made up not mostly of Jews, but Jews are everywhere and they're all throughout, but of Gentiles. Okay. But remember, Paul's dead. So with the help of Silas, his pal, who was with Peter in Rome, Peter writes a letter to the Christians of that region, Asia Minor and Galatia. And it's called First Peter, right? So okay. here's how First Peter starts out, right? Now, this is a bit of a paraphrase, but you'll get it, okay? It's First Peter 5, 1, and he opens the letter and says, I'm Peter. <laughs> I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's introducing himself, because remember, this is Paul's crew, right? Sure. I'm writing to you who reside throughout, and then he lists the name of the places, right? And he writes to those Christians who reside in Asia Minor and Galatia. Notice, he doesn't write to the elders, though. He mm-hmm. writes to the church at, the, you know, the, to the people, the, the uh, oikos, the okay. ecclesia, right? Like Paul, he's writing to the people. Paul always wrote that way, too. Everything he says is to the churches, to yep. the people, until he gets to the last chapter. Okay. Now there's some significance in that. Okay. Sure. He's writing this, you know, first Peter, it's like huge. The church is new. It's suffering. It's been going on for, you know, years, but not that long. Right. And it's going through some really hard times. And when he writes, he doesn't say, Hey leaders, here's what you got to get busy talking everybody into doing. Sure. <laughs> right. He writes to the people. Right. Um, that's significant first to the church. And after that, then Peter wants to say something to the elders. Sure. Brothers hear this with the ears of your spirit. Okay, so Peter knows that um, the church is having a hard time. They're suffering, uh, and there's a tendency, okay, this is human, but it's also cultural sure. um, uh, in our human nature to control God's people when things are going wrong, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's often when leaders seem to spring out of, like, I only hear from them when something's broken, yeah, exactly, right? And that's not cool. But in, in an effort to protect, protect the, these people, right, um, 
uh, and really be a servant to them. So Paul goes a different way, right? He knows mm-hmm. Paul's dead, but he wanted to say something to the elders. So in First Peter 5, 1, this is where, I'm sorry, this is where we finally get to 5. Sure. That was kind of a summary of the book. He goes, therefore, I, Peter, speak to the elders who are among you. Okay, now notice this right away, among you. Hmm. I speak into the elders among you. That's how the elders live. They were just part of that city, that village. They're part of the family, sure. right? They're part of the oikos, not over you. The elders are among the church, not over the church, okay? Yep. And I know that's poking some people right away. But you, you go look it up. Go read it. And there's a zillion examples, especially if you read that that, that sort of thing I was telling about from Frank Viola. Yeah. And he goes on, he says, I appeal to you as a feller, fellow elder, an old faithful man. You know, you are also old and faithful men, okay? Yeah. Verse two, he goes, shepherd, that means take care of the flock of God. Okay, now let me tell you what the Greek says. The Greek says, shepherd the flock that is among you. Okay, hmm. not under you. Again, it is again. You, you catching this? You yeah. know, the church is among the elders, not under them. Now he continues. Now exercise, you know, oversight. Now sure. he doesn't say overlord. And I'll, and we try to twist that word right. He says yeah. oversight. Now what's what's an overlord? Well, what's the word lord? It means master, right? Think yeah. Jesus is Lord. God is yeah. right. Lord. It means in charge. Yep. The boss. The boss. Yeah. Right. The boss. He says, don't overlord, right? He says, bring oversight. He's telling them, look out for the saints, care for them. They're hurting. They're, you're their older brothers, okay? You, you know you know some things better than they do. Yeah. And so I'm exhorting you to look out for your under brothers and sisters. And that's what he's saying. Not under compulsion, not for dishonest gain, not to take from them. Sure. And then in verse three, here's what we have. He goes, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. Hmm. Well, examples of what? In light of the mission, what might Paul, uh, Peter here be urging them to don't try to act like the boss, yeah. but live a life of examples? What? What's the only mission that Peter's on? Trust me. He's the rock of the church. Yeah. Let's make disciples. Yeah, go and make Like disciples. you should be living as examples to them, not just showing up when there's problems hmm. and trying to like lord over. So, well, I'm not lording over anybody. I'm just exercising my authority. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, I didn't come to judge. Right, yeah. people will like they'll 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 poo poo this whole thing. They'll they'll reject me and the kingdom and God's love, and they'll bring judgment upon themselves. So no, don't claim that. Don't claim that because you went through some classes or the only ones left standing, or everybody stepped back and you stepped forward. Now you have authority over. No, elders are among right mm-hmm. all the stuff we've just said, and they're given responsibility to care, protect, and live as an example. Okay, so they already have cultural influence because of their age and status within the community. Sure, but now Peter and Paul and others, and even the communities themselves, they're recognizing, based on First Timothy three, which of these elders that exist are the ones who are our elders within the church to be trusted and looked to. Hmm. Now, if this sounds like I'm trying to tear down the role of eldership, I'm not. I actually think it's elevating it because it sounds so much like Jesus lived yeah, exactly. and was right, and. And nor is Peter. He, he then says to the younger brothers and sisters, you younger brethren, submit your heart, listen to and give weight to what the elders have to say. Not because they have authority over you, not because they have the right to control you, but because they're older in spiritual life, right? Mm. But as he closes in verse five, he tells them all, be subject to one another in yeah. humility. Now, who's, who's that last part he's saying it to? He's saying it to younger people, but in light of speaking to the elders about it. So be subject to one another. Yeah. In humility. 
yeah, the elders, the younger brothers and sisters, the body. But Jesus said the same thing so many times, right? Yeah. And these are basically all echoes of what Paul said in Ephesians 5. You can check it out, right? Yep. So Peter here was afraid that at this time of crisis, the elders would start to lord over or control, take over, exercise like authority, like mm. like that's not theirs over other people, the church people, sure. right? So he says, don't lord over the flock. Right. And, yeah. and, and that you can you can do all the Greek study of all that stuff. Right. Jesus used that same thing when he says the the Gentiles lorded over those under them. And he mm. said, don't be that way. Don't do that. Right. The Gentiles have their hierarchy and there are some above others uh, in authority. But it's not to be that way among you. Yeah. Right. And Peter repeats the, the Lord's word. Do not lord over them. OK, don't be overlords. So the gospel shows us the humility and servant's heart of God in Christ. And that's what Peter and that's what Paul are pointing to. And they're saying, and be be examples of, of what's the life? Making disciples. Uh, hospitality, opening your home. Hospitality sure. is not fellowship, by the way. That's amongst the saints. Hospitality and a reputation with outsiders is like having people over, hmm. having people experience and taste the kingdom to get to be and hang out with the oikos and not feel weird about it. Yeah. You're to be examples to the flock hmm. of what that looks like, right? Yeah. My goodness. You know, I was just, as you're talking there, I was thinking about how, um, if I'm being honest with you, I can't say that I've seen too many, if any, elders in the churches I've been a part of in the past that actually live this way and were examples of how to lead younger, less experienced Christians into living in community with them and making disciples who make more disciples. I've seen it typically as that authority, like the Presbyterian church I was in, you go to the elders and they will advise you as like authoritarian it's more of a boss telling but sometimes forbid to do. stuff that yeah, you, you know absolutely. like personal stuff not stuff that's in scripture but like no you're you're being punished for that or like now we're yeah. gonna take you up in front of the body and shame the yeah. shame you rather you know? than like a mentorship it's more of a boss than a mentorship and it sounds like like what we're hearing is the elders are like no you're bigger bro-. like the big brother concept like yeah. lead us along teach yeah. them raise them and by the them. way in every village right before the church sort of acknowledged elders every village had lots of old people Sure. But they weren't all seen as the elders, hmm. right? Yeah, that's Who, good. Which ones are the elders? Because they're mentoring. They're caring. They're an example of a good life. Look at their kids. Yeah, their kids are awesome. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this. One of my greatest thankfulnesses and gratitude to God is that our kids are great. Hmm. They, they're adults and they're good people and people want to hang out with them. And I want to be more like my son, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Right? And our kids love God and they love people and they're generous and they're easygoing about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's good news, Right. But not every old person's that way. So, no. like, which would you choose to, like, model your life after? It's kind of what Peter's saying here. <laughs> yeah, Paul's, that's good. Paul's saying, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's so weird. Like you said, it seems so rare. It, it, this is like an analogy I've used before. It's imagine if you owned, like, a Honda car dealership. Okay. Okay. What's the mission of the Honda dealership? Sell loads of Hondas. Okay. That's why they exist. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, the head of sales, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys who are in charge of sales department. Yeah. They don't even like cars really that much yeah they just kind of they'd rather just kind of stay where they're at you know yep and um they particularly don't like hondas in fact you know they're just not that into it you know mm. in fact 
Sometimes they've even been overheard sort of throwing cold water on people who like to drive Hondas. Hmm. But they're the head of sales because no one else, you know, really wanted the job or, sure. you know, they were wealthy enough or what. You know, it's goofy, right? Yeah, You'd be like, well, how are we supposed to sell any Hondas? Like yeah. the guys who are in charge of sales don't even sell Hondas. <laughs> like they've never sold yeah. one. And so the elders, the shepherds, the overseers, they should be the lead models and examples of discipleship happening in all of life. Hmm. Like what's it look like for the gospel to speak into parenting, look at their life. Hmm. Look at how their kids, look how they even deal with their kids. Their yeah. kids aren't perfect. No, there's no such thing. Sure. But look how they deal with it. Look how they deal with the thing behind the thing and speak good news to them. Hmm. Or how about in marriage? What's a marriage look like that's that's kept it on the rails, you know, yeah. and seems to be growing in affection, not getting colder and colder? Yeah. Like what's generosity lived out amongst really sometimes weird, smelly, different people than us? <laughs> what's that feel and look like, sure. right? See, your elders... And, and by the way, elder, shepherd, overseer, so that's kind of pastor. That's all kind of one big term. So mm. if you say, well, I'm not an elder in my church because I'm not allowed to be. I only get to be a pastor. That's just further bad understanding yeah, of Scripture. it's dividing something it's that's just, not meant yeah. to be. Yeah. But you, elders and shepherds and pastors should all be the lead examples of discipleship happening. You know, Amen. the elders and pastors should be rock star disciple makers. Yep. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So, you know, a young couple in your church who wants to walk in the ways of Jesus and raise their kids to know God and walk in his way and grow up as disciples, making disciples. Well, who'd you send them to? Well, go out, hang, you know, here's what you'd hope you could say, go hang out with the elder and his wife and family, mm-hmm. right? Their house is full of people like you and they'll show you how the gospel applies to all life and how they've done it and how they walk in the ways of Jesus. Yep. I'm guessing that's not a common phrase that you hear. I don't think so. (laughs) You know, it'd be like, well, get into 101 class, right? Yeah. And uh, maybe if there's a small group that meets on a night that fits your schedule, maybe you can find some people you can stand to hang out with. There's some age and stage groups that'll fit you, right? Sure. But, But I think what really scares me is not only is this a rare model, example, of many church elder boards today, but because the church has gotten so far away from the one true mission that Jesus gave us, which is make disciples in all of life. Many elders are actually a barrier to those on staff or in leadership or just the general lady of the church. They're a barrier or hindrance to actually making disciples and prioritizing community as the way that Christianity in the kingdom life is modeled and disciples are taught and matured. Hmm. And I know so many pastors that are working hard to lead their families and flocks to engage discipleship in all of life. And their biggest roadblocks are their own elders. Hmm quote-unquote elders who who do not make disciples and in many cases have never led another person to faith in Jesus and then spent years with that person in the community teaching them and showing them all that Jesus said and did and how the gospel applies to the area of life. Mm-hmm. Those are the pe- people who don't do that or pushing up against those who do. Yeah. It breaks my heart, brother. It, it's, it's, it's so tragic. And, it's I, so, and it's, we adopted this business model of church yeah. and people love authority and want to be put in titles and, well, I'm only an elder for three years though. I hear that too and it breaks yeah. my heart. Like you either, you're either an elder or you're not. It's like saying, well, I'm only a Christian when I'm at church. You're yeah. like, you can't, no one's going to agree to that. Come on. Well, and even the replacement of elders with like board of directors, even the business terms that we put on it now is like, here's a side a note too that I can't even get into. Many elders are actually deacons. If you really do the study. Hmm. The stuff they, they meet incessantly on over and over and over, they're dealing with parking lot getting resurfaced yeah. and what time the, you know, we have to flip this and like who's, who's covering the, you know, the children's ministry. Like we got to line them up there. They're, they're blocking the lobby. We got to line them up over here and get their badges. on. That's all deacony stuff. That's family business done by the family. And those huh. go look up what a deacon does. Right. And the examples of that eldering it's it's lead disciple making it's yeah. lead gospeling it's lead yeah. example of life on mission with jesus that's it's gotta be because that's, that's so the mission good. right 
I've never, I have never sep- seen that separation, and that most of what elders are doing is deacon work. You're right, Dale. So many though, and, <laughs> You're and, so but right. they hold on to that. It's like, oh, why don't you just be a deacon if that's really your heart? Well, I don't want the demotion. You know, yeah. no one's gonna say it. I'm not, and I, I'm sounding so negative now. I don't mean to be. My heart's broken, bro. I just no, I get that. I think that's what's coming. Through. But it doesn't have to be. That's yeah. the whole thing. It does not have to be. So, what would you say? Like, what's the answer to pastors and leaders and Christians in general that have elders that are actually opposed to prioritizing true discipleship and community over all the traditions and programs of their churches? <sighs> I guess I get my breath here. <laughs> well, I want to be really clear, okay, that today we're not talking about trying to pick fights with your elders, okay? Please okay. don't hear that. That's not the case. But I, I just, my heart is broken. It really is. And I, too many people that we're coaching and the people that write in, Who's like, golly, like, I don't want to have, it's hard enough for me to motivate myself and trust the spirit and all that and lead my family and lead, you know, bring neighbors into our life and bring intentionality to it. I I don't want my elders pushing on me. So today I'm primarily talking to the elders and other leaders that have great authority over the direction that the churches they help lead will actually take. Okay. Mm. So if that's you, please listen up. If you're an elder or pastor listening today and you're not actively engaged in missional living, making disciples, multiplying community, living with an open door and open home and helping others make disciples as your top priority of your role of the church, would you please ask yourself if you're really qualified, okay, based on Jesus' strong example and commands and Paul and Peter's strong example and clearly written qualifications? Like, just be honest. I'm not saying you have to pull that out at the next board meeting, but if you're not a lead disciple maker— and your life just looks like that? Are you really an elder in the church, the family business of make disciples who make disciples, filling the world with God's glory, which is Christ? Well, it might be helpful to you and your family and even your church to, like, if if you're in that situation, to bench yourself for a bit and go, you know, I... I Or maybe your calling was never that, but you got a point and it sounded good and someone had to. Like, that's not what's going on. We didn't even get into the historicity of this. And if you look at that Frank Viola document, Straight Talk to Elders, um... The, the churches often didn't have anybody acknowledged as elders for years hmm. and years because they weren't any yet. They were young communities and or they were waiting to see the fruit of a new faith matured within the elders and the body. Yeah. Right. So so that's that's my strong you know challenge to those listening who have that title of elder or you know, pastor, lead pastor. What You know, now, if you're not a pastor or official leader in your church but you see the same resistance to making disciples in all of life from your elders. Yeah. Here's what I would here's what I would suggest to you. You live as an example. Okay? Mm-hmm. Cuz really maybe that burning fire within you is the initial callings of elder. You oh, know, like good. really. But I think that's a call of the church, sure. okay? Remember it's among and it's to submit one to another and also right. But you live as an example. You let your good deeds and your humility shine the light for everyone to see including your elders, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're never going to lead a movement. We've said this before. You're never going to lead a movement of change within your community by being against anything or against everybody. Sure. Okay, what are you for? Be for Jesus. Be for making disciples of Jesus that fill every you know household and neighborhood and city with him. Don't be an antagonist or a pain in the butt to your pastor or your elders, but do live this life and do share how the gospel's taking deeper root in your life day after day, Okay. And how you're living with not yet believers. Hmm. And they're coming into your oikos and closer into your family rhythms. 
Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know who said it originally, but it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. <laughs> okay. And, and by the way, too, if you're listening to this, you're not an elder and you're like, go deeper into that, go deeper into that. We did a handful of, like about a year ago or so. Yeah. Episode two of seven, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Missional living when your church doesn't support it. Yeah. Which is my, my a good continuation of this one to jump back and. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause like this one is a strong sort of look at eldership and, elders right so and this might be a good time to really like you know obviously do this with with some patience and spend some time researching it but but it might be time to pull either the elders or the, the team together and go hey guys we need to reassess what the qualifications are and what the responsibilities are and, you yeah know and that mean? doesn't like, require the whole board just resign and now what because <laughs> yeah, exactly currently we're actually acting like deacons and without that right no no like keep take doing the task that you do but really check your heart if it's, if it's a lording over. In other words, you're making the decisions for everyone. Instead of the church being led by the Spirit of God yeah, and elders being protectors and encouragers and fanning the flame of mission and modeling mission. And when people get excited about something new they want to try to like reach more people for Christ, they're like, yeah, how can I help? You know, instead of like, well, you know, that's, is that going to happen on Sunday? I might get in the way of our program. Sure. You know, or, like, I, well, Mops is happening then or, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. Juan is going to. So I, like, no, fan the flame. Let the spirit be the disciple of people and, and the true authority, right? So I always say, don't lead from authority, lead from influence. Yep. And if you've been given influence, Paul says, don't take it lightly. It's yep. a high calling. Absolutely. That, that influence comes from God, right? So if you, you know, there again, if you want help with some of that stuff, this is what we coach to. It's not, yeah. you know, it starts at the table. It starts in the mirror. It starts with your home as leaders, as a regular person. How do you begin to do that? How do, how do you help your own elders? We've even done things where I've come in and you know flown in and done consulting with whole elder boards sure. to say, hey, what, what are your roles? And do you want even, are you even all clear on what the role of an elder is? Because like, we tend to focus on the qualifications, like I'm a pretty good guy. You know, it's like, yeah. all right, but what about, what, what do the elders did and what do they do and what's the ultimate goal of the church and, and help transition those kind of things. So hmm. I'm here to help coach or consult or whatever. Okay. Awesome, man. Hey, we, uh, we're running out of time. So let's get to the big three for Woo. today. Yeah. These are always the thing that we want to leave you with. It's the big three takeaways from today's topic that if nothing else, we don't want you to miss things you can't miss and you get it for free as a printable PDF. Yep. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three and pick that up now. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay, first thing, don't miss. The only mission that Jesus gave the church was to make disciples. Hmm. So let that soak in. Like, I wish that was just written on the whiteboard or chalkboard at the beginning of every elder meeting. Yeah. Okay? Now, in light of that, let's talk about the rest of this stuff. How many, <laughs> how many churches have spent just hundreds of It's the only of mission. Yeah. Okay, and it's how God is accomplishing his promised eternal purpose to fill the world with his glory. Okay, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's amazing. So our churches, leaders, pastors, and elders all need to and get to be focused on this as our highest priority, mm. okay? And it's why we were saved and filled with Jesus' own spirit. That's so good. That's the mission. That's what we get to do, please. Now, second, Jesus never desired that humans would be ruled over and led by human leaders who acted in his place as Lord over others, mm. Right. I mean, that's, take that back right back to the garden. Like the day you eat of this fruit, like yeah. I'm going to manage the knowledge of good and evil for myself. Yep. You'll surely die. If you can't manage for yourself, you can't manage for anybody else. Okay. Yeah. Right. The Bible actually prohibits just such a thing. Don't lord over others. That's not God's Lord of all. Sure. His desire is that his own spirit living inside all of us as a family would guide and protect us as the church. Hmm. 
and and that those that take on that high privilege of being an overseer an elder within his family yep. would be a living example of what his life in ministry was like that's that's your that's your thing be an yeah. example right that's what it says their lives would certainly not hinder disciple making but rather be a light and example of what this lifestyle of discipleship and hospitality really looks like today that's good okay okay and then third if you are an elder or overseer in your church Please make discipleship your personal priority. Okay, Amen. like start there, and then and then use your position of influence to protect and care for those in your church. Be among them, not over them. Mm. Have them into your homes. Model hospitality, generosity, this lifestyle of discipleship. And please don't let your previous lack of this focus turn you into an ongoing roadblock to pastors who are trying to lead or others in your church who are trying hard to make discipleship a priority and a part of everyday life. Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, if you find yourself in the appointed position of an elder in your church, but you're not living as an ongoing example of discipleship in all of life, humble yourself. Okay. Hmm. And consider if you're really fulfilling that calling, that biblical calling of elder. So good, right? It's a lot to reconsider here. Hopefully there's a lot of freedom (laughs) in that. I know some people are going to be like losing their mind on this, but... I hope that's helpful and starts some new and important discussions for you and your leaders. And again, before we scoot out of here today, I want to invite you to get immediate access to the Everyday Disciple Workshop. We've trained thousands of people in this powerful framework of discipleship when we were doing our Everyday Challenges, Everyday Disciple Challenges, and we always had people asking us how they could get and keep this training and all the videos. Well, now you can. Just go over to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop to get this simple and reproducible discipleship framework that really works for busy people. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. I hope you'll grab that, get that downloaded, start watching that, start sharing that with others because now you'll have all of it. All right, I got to go for now. I hope you'll join us next week. I'll keep diving into discipleship and mission and hopefully help pave the way for this to be a whole lot easier and more natural in your everyday life. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 